0: worksheets when you came in today, please put your hand up. We want to get those to you. So much information again today that we're going to cover and too much information for you just to try and write it all down yourself. So we've kind of helped you with that. But I want us to start off by saying something together. Is that OK that we can say something together? Keep your hand up till they get to you and they will get there. I want us all to say something together. And here it is. The Bible is true, not False. Can we say that together? Are you ready? The Bible is true, not false. That was half of you. Come on, everyone together. The Bible is true, not false. All this month we've been looking at Bible true or false with a question mark. But we've taken the question mark out and we've put an exclamation mark because it's true. Everything of the Word of God is true. And I pray that we've convinced you of that and proven that to you over these last messages that we have. And what has been our goal? What is our goal from this series? Our goal is for you to love the Word of God. For you to fall in love with one of the greatest tools that God has given each and every one of us. But not just to love it so you can... Read it. You can help me out in the house. And then when you read it, we want you to live it. We want you to apply it. So we want you to love it. So you'll read it. So you will live it in your life. And today we're going to conclude this series. And I want you to turn with me to John chapter 8, verse 31 and verse 32. And it says this, Then Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, Jesus turned to his disciples, those who trusted, those who had given their lives to him. And he said these words, If you abide, say with me, abide, That means to put up with, that means to submit to or stay or remain in. The NIV version says, if you hold on to my teachings, but what do we abide in? If you abide in my word, you are my disciples Indeed, verse 32, and you shall know the truth. Remember, the truth is what? Abiding in the word, holding on to the word of God. That word truth in the Greek is gnisko. And that word means the recognition, yes, of truth, but by personal experience. Notice what I said. It's not just truth by head knowledge. It's truth that gets into your heart, that becomes an experience out of your life, that it is revealed through our lives. And you shall know the truth and the truth, that experience, not just a head knowledge, a heart realization shall make you free. Bring freedom. Who wants freedom in their life? Every one of us needs freedom in our lives. There's areas in our lives that God still needs to release and bring freedom to. And his word, the truth promises, as the King James Version says, to set you free. To set you free. So it's so important that we're not just getting this, but we're holding on to it. That we're abiding in it. Because it's this which will produce the power of life. We may be leaving this series after this week, but we don't need to forsake the content. What am I talking about? We may be leaving and going on to another subject, but we don't leave the content of what we have learned through this month because we need the application of reading, applying, living and loving the Word of God because it's going to bring the freedom. Say with me, freedom. The freedom that you need. First Thessalonians 5.21. Here's where we've got the title of our message for this week. It says, test all things. Isn't that what we've done? We've looked at the Word of God. We've tested it. We've proven it to be true. And what does it say? After we've tested all things, what are we to do? Say with me the next two words. Hold fast. As we would say, hold fast. You say, hold fast. Okay, you've got to hold fast fast to what is good. In other words, you've got to hold on to what is right and let go of what is not right. What is right for your life? A relationship with God is a good place to start. Come on, that's why our vision statement here is when you step through these doors, you step into a place where life happens. Life doesn't happen until God comes. God is what brings life into your existence, into your life. So that's good. A relationship with him. What's our next step? Love happens. You connect with other people. Relationships are healed. Barrages are put back together through addictions and abuse. That which was separated can be reunited and a love that you can have can rise up in your life. That's why we have church. So people would know God and then could experience life together with other people. But then what's the end? That what? That your purpose will be revealed. How is that? Through the word, through prayer and through church. So what have we got to hold on to? That which is good. God, his word, his truth wants, wants to be in your life today. So I want to give you four tips. I want to give you four tools, helps today to make sure you hold fast to the word of God. That you grab a hold of it with everything that you have. So the first one is this. Are you ready? If you're following along, your first blank is this. Make it the foundation. Foundation is the blank. Make it the foundation of my life. The Word of God has to be the foundation of your life. And you have to make it that. I can't make it to that. I can't say, okay, the Word of God is going to be the foundation for your life and then bam, it happens. You have got to choose to make the Word of God the foundation for your life. It's your choice. The ball is in your court. And unfortunately, what tends to happen when someone corrects us or tells us something that we maybe don't want to do, we know we should do it, but most time we will rebel against it. I remember what it was like to have... <clears throat> what they would call senior chapel. I I taught at a school here in town and we had senior chapel. Every year, just before the seniors graduated, they had a chapel service. And the chapel service was the opportunity for every one of the seniors to talk to every other student. And every year, every student would pretty much say the same thing. And that was this, don't do what I did. Because I rebelled, and I didn't listen, and now I wished I had, but listen to what's been said. But isn't that the tendency that we have many times, that we want to do it our own way? We want to prove it for our own things? And listen, this ain't just a kid issue. As adults, we're just as guilty, and maybe more guilty, because we know more truth. And so we have no excuse in our life. But many times we're like that, we want to rebel against it. And we think, oh, I'm showing them, yeah, how stupid you are. What do I mean by that? Because the Bible clearly says you're not hurting really other people, you're hurting yourselves. We've got a verse for that. James 1, 22 says this. If you're not a doer of the word, come on, if you're a hearer only, you're deceiving who? Not your pastor and your family and your parents. You're deceiving yourself. It's on you. It's what you need to do. Look what the Bible says in the NIV version, I believe it is, another translation. It says this, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Most of the time, you can't see a foundation. If you're looking at a building, you don't see the foundation. But you can sure know whether one is present or not. Because something will only stand on a foundation. The strength of any building begins with the strength of the structural support that holds it up, the foundation. And you know one thing about foundation is this, it's not often admired. You don't have people come around your house and say, man, that's sure a nice pad you've built your house on. Wow, those footings, that's what you call them. The footings around, that foundation around your house. Wow, that is, that's is—that's the nicest foundation. It's not something that is admired, but listen to me, it's something that's definitely required. You've got to have it in your house. Life And I know I visited this scripture a couple of times during the series, but I just want to go back to it again because I want every one of you to get it. Matthew 7, 24 through 27, the NIV version says, Therefore anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rains came, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it bought its materials from Home Depot instead of Lowe's. No, that's not what it says. It stood, why? One reason, because it had a foundation on the rock. It had a foundation on the rock. Verse 26, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a... Foolish man, I like the Message Bible. It says if you don't work them into your life, into your marriage, into your finances, into your parenting, into your faithfulness, your integrity, if you don't work it into your life, you're going to build your house on the sand and the rains come down, the streams rise, the wind blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Listen to me, same storm, different results. Same storms, we maybe have different types of storms that hit us, but it's the same results that can take place in our life if we are not built upon the rock, if we don't have the right foundation in our lives. I want to show you something today, and that is this. Storms are coming. 2016, there's going to be storms perhaps greater than you've ever experienced before, but don't be upset about that. Prepare for that prepare for that. Prepare for what? Prepare to remain and not be destroyed and wiped out. I'm tired of seeing my life wiped out. Why? Because I'm building on everything else apart from the truth of God's word. I'm putting my finances in the wrong place. I'm putting my health. I'm putting just everything. But I'm going to stand this year upon the word of God and build my life upon that and I'm going to make it through the storms and the trials. Have you ever noticed the type of trees that are mainly blow over in a storm? It's pine trees. And it's not just because they're more numerous and tall and lanky. If you see a pine tree blow over, the root structure that was holding it up is relatively small. It doesn't have much. In fact, when it falls down, it brings the dirt around it. And it's not much. There's not much of a root structure around. You know the trees that seldom blow down in a storm? Oak trees. Oak trees. In fact, most oak trees will snap. Before they'll blow over. Because they'll maybe get rotten and there'll be disease inside and they will literally snap. Why is that? Because what you see above the ground, they tell us there is more than twice as much beneath the ground. Think about that. When you see a massive tree above the ground, to sustain that, there is more than twice beneath the ground. Think about if we would build our lives like that. Think about if we would build our marriages like that. Think about if we would build our emotions like that, our finances like that, our health like that. You know what would happen? We would stand. You see, the problem with many of us is this. Are you ready? It's all show and no grow. What do I mean by that? It's all show. It's, well, look at me. I'm doing this and doing that. But you know what? There's no growth. There's no root structure. Jesus talked about that in the parable of those who sowed the seeds. Oh, they took it quick, but there was no structure. There was no depth. There was no preparation made for the soil or the seed to be received. So our lives, if we don't watch, can be all show, but no grow. You ever seen a fireworks display? What do you do with a fireworks display? You go, ooh, and then what? It's gone. That's how your life is with all show. It's just, woo, and then nothing left. The only thing that's left is trash and debris and an empty wallet because it costs so much to pie those things that just go off like that. So many people put so much effort in the show that they forget what's really going to make them grow, what's going to build their lives and strengthen their lives upon their, the Word of God. What are you building upon will determine whether you're wise or foolish. And listen to me, wise doesn't mean you're perfect. That's not what Jesus means, that if you're going to build on the that you'll just be absolutely perfect. But it's one who knows where their strength comes from. It's one who knows what to turn to when trials and tribulations come. It's one who is prepared. The one who has built their life upon God and His Word. You see, storms reveal the foundation of your life or the lack of it. Here's what most of us build our lives on. I want to give you four things that we use as a foundation. First blank, if you're filling them in, is popular. We build our lives on a popular foundation. What do I mean by that? We want the popular vote. We want the, that, That's just the culture of the day today. We want... All those new fads and fashions. We want what everyone else is doing. We want every, what everyone else is turning to. What everyone else is listening to. What everyone else wants to be like. That's the popular vote for the day. That's the popular that we tend to build our lives upon. If we fit in with that, we're safe is what we feel. Because I'm like everyone else. Who says that? God's word doesn't say you're safe. If you fit in with that which is popular... Because something you've got to note about popular is this. Popular comes and goes. Fads and fashions. You can wear an outfit and be looking good. Six months later, you're out of style. You buy yourself a new iPhone and by the time you almost get home, they've got another the i12 or whatever's out. Buy yourself a PlayStation and think you're really doing good till all of a sudden you realize you're three behind. Why? Because what is popular changes, but truth stays the same. True stays the same. It's exhausting to try and keep up with everything that's happening around. The fads and the fashions. And you and I have got to make a decision. Here's the decision that we've got to make. We've got to make a decision. How much of the popular is going to affect and infect my life? The movies, the music, the media, everything around. We've got to make a decision. How much of that is going to come into my life? Because it's going to affect my life and infect my life if it's not what needs to be. Exodus 23, 2. You shall not follow a crowd to do evil. Look at that. You shall not follow a crowd to do evil. And you may say, well, pastor, you know, all the fads and fashions, they're not wrong. No, they're not. I didn't say that they're wrong. They're not all bad. And they're not all wrong. But remember, check it out for yourself. Remember Hebrews 12, verse 1. The Bible says we're to lay aside all the weights and the sins. Not everything is a sin, but it can become a weight that will lead to a sin. It can become a distraction. It can take your attention away from that which is the most important things in your life. Here's another foundation. Tradition. Tradition. That's the next blank. Tradition. Tradition is a big one. Tradition is doing the same things as we've always done them. Where there's action, maybe with no spiritual meaning anymore. Told this story before. The young girl came into the house, saw her mother cooking a ham, but she watched the mum cut the ends off the ham. Both ends were cut off the ham, put in the pot, put in the oven. Little girl's seen her mum do this a number of times. Mum, why do you do that? She says, well, I don't really know. Your grandmother always did it. So one day she's ran grandmother's house and she asked, Grandmother, why when you cook a ham do you always cut? She says, you know what? I've never really thought about it. My mother did that. Why not ask your great-grandmother? So one day she's visiting her great-grandmother and she says, Great-grandmother, I have a question for you. Why is it that you always cut the ends off the ham before you put it in the oven? And the great-grandmother said, simple, I didn't have a pot big enough. Isn't it amazing with tradition? We can think we're doing the right thing, but maybe... That right thing came from something that wasn't the right thing at all. But the circumstances, not God, deemed what needed to be done. So many times tradition can take away from God, not bring people to God. Because tradition many times is at the expense of truth. We've got so caught up in doing the thing that we forgot the God that we're doing it for. Listen to me, we've got more caught up about how or the way we do things many times more than what or the thing itself. We've forgotten about God so much by trying to do things a set way. Listen to me, the old is not all wrong. The new is not all right. And relevance is not compromise. Listen to me, relevance is not compromise. It's the same message that needs to be preached, but using different methods. Mark 7 verse 8 says, For lay aside the commandments of God, you hold to the traditions of men. Notice, you've laid aside the truth of God because you're wanting to hold the traditions of men. We've got to watch because traditions can be a foundation that may not always be the best for our lives. Here's another one. Are you ready? Number three, me. Just you, M-E, me. You, me. Our lives. My reason, my thoughts, my personal convictions. You've got to watch that word, personal convictions. A lot of people throw that out there. Well, I'm not personally convicted about that. You've got to understand something. Personal conviction is not a conviction just tailor-made for your life. When we're talking about personal, it's not meaning just you. It means the way God deals with man is personally, that he deals with man one on one. But the content of what he's dealing with or the requirements, if you want to put it that way, or the instructions that he's asking for us are the same for every person. So if you're saying, well, I'm not personally convicted so I can watch this and I can listen to that kind of stuff, you don't have no biblical backbone or you don't have no biblical standards to apply that to because that's a lie. What's true is true, not just for you and can be true for someone else. Listen to me. Truth is true for everyone. So we've got to watch that me can be a problem. So many people want to accept a gospel and a life that suits them and not what God says. They want to build their lives on their opinion or their interpretation. They want to feel good. That's the word, isn't it? I just want to feel good. And they've told themselves, as long as it feels good, it's got to be good. Proverbs tells us, Proverbs fourteen twelve says, There is a way that feels good. Say with me, feels good. There is a way that seems right to man. It's all right. It's not wrong. It's my way. I feel it. It's good. But what's the end? What's the result? Where does that way take us? It takes us down. It doesn't take us up. And anytime time there's a conflict in your life between what you think and what God's Word says, can I help you today? Take God's Word. Take God's Word. Go with God every time. Why? Because He's God. That means He's smarter. That means He's greater. It means He knows more than what you do. This may be old-fashioned But it still works today. The truth of God's word. Here's the last one, number four, emotions. That's the last blank right there. Your feelings, kind of similar to me and what's going on in my life. But we've got to watch because so many times many people build their lives on emotions. And what will emotions do? Man, it will take you on a ride. You'll be up and down and in and out. Talk about a roller coaster ride. If you're not puking and throwing up, you'll have to take dramamine, and dramamine will wipe you out so you'll sleep through life and you'll be miserable and depressed. Come on, so many people are just out of it. Why? Because their emotions are leading their life. Can I tell you something and be really kind about it? Your feelings are gonna lie to you. What? You got, I lied to myself. Yeah, your feelings are gonna lie to you. They may appear to be wonderful. But they cannot be trusted and they definitely are not a foundation for you to build your life upon. Just because it feels good doesn't mean it's right. In fact, it's probably a good indication it's not right. Because if it feels good and everyone else is doing it, it's probably something you as a child of God need to be steering away from. Because I'm not building on that. I'm building on His Word. His truth that's going to bring freedom. That's going to bring success for our lives. Because emotionally will always leave you in chaos. Man's way always results in chaos. God came to set us free from the chaos of our lives. Judges 21, verse 25, the last verse of the book of Judges, again, where we see how the children of Israel rebelled against God, didn't follow Him. God set up a judge to lead them out, but again, they rebelled. The last words of Judges really sum up the whole book, and it says this, in those days there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right, in their own eyes. you got to have a king in your life. you got to have the king of kings in your life. He's got to be the authority of your life. If not, you're going to do everything according to your own way and your own thinking. And the last time I checked, that's where you got in trouble the last time gets you in trouble every time. So, so again, if, if, if the foundation, if I've got to build my life upon foundation, there's two quick tests that can really determine what foundation your life is on. Here's the first one. It's written down. What do you do when you don't understand what God's word says? Here's a great test. What are you going to do when you don't understand what God's word says? You've got to decide. You've got to decide his word is either true and truth or it's not. You've got to decide whether you're going to live for that or not. Isaiah 55, 9 says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Think about this. So his ways are higher, his thoughts are greater. For most of us, we get the impression then they're unreachable, that they're up here and I can't touch them and I can't reach them. That's not what the Word of God is trying to show us. The Word of God is trying to show us that God is bigger than any circumstance that you'll face. That His Word is greater than. He's not dangling and out of reach for you, but He wants you to grow into those things through knowing and understanding that His Word is the truth for each and every one of your life. You see, if all the Word of God fits into me, guess what? That would mean I have a God the size of me. I don't want a God the size of me. Come on, I said, I don't want to serve a God the size of me. And most of us are comfortable with that. I want to go on record by saying, I'm not comfortable with that. I'm not comfortable with that. And here's what I'm going to do. Look, here's what I've chosen to do in my life. What I don't understand, listen to me, I can still obey. I can still obey. I can still choose His way over my way. I can say, God, I'm trusting in You. Yes, I can study in the Word if I don't understand it. I can come to church. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. I can have all those things. I can come to pastors. I can get counseling. I can get help. So I do understand things in a greater way. But my response each and every time has to be obey God. Obey God. Here's the second test. What about this one? What if I do understand it, but I just don't want to do it? (laughs) Ever been there? Maybe you're there right now. Maybe this is for you right now. Amazing thing is this. This is what people try to do. You try to adjust the Bible to fit you. Well, that's not what the Word of God is. As a foundation, you've got to fit into it. You've got to build your life upon it. You don't let your life take control. You've got to give control over to your life to God. Do we always like it? Let's be honest. We don't always like it. Is it easy always to obey the Word of God? No, no, no. Can you say no in church? It's okay. It's not easy, is it? Let's just be honest. Sometimes you don't want to. Sometimes you don't want to get up and read the Bible. Sometimes you won't go to church. Sometimes you don't want to pay your tithes. Now I'm talking There. Sometimes you don't want to do those things. But remind yourself of this. The results speak for themselves. You're not always going to want to go to the gym, but look what happens when you come out of the gym. You can look like me. That's incredible. What a great thought. Come on, you don't always want to put down that nice ice cream and all that stuff and eat cardboard, but cardboard's going to get you six-pack apps. It's going to get what you need. We don't like those things because we like things in a better way, but what's going to produce the greatest results for your life? You've got to determine that. It's God's Word. That's what I'm going to build my life upon. And here's a great statement too. Look at this. If you don't obey, you will never fully understand. I don't think if you ever don't do it, you're never going to fully understand. You're not going to understand it all until you fully obey it. What's the saying out there in the world? The proof of the pudding is what? It's in the eating. The proof of the pudding is in the eating. And anyone know that? It's not just looking at it and evaluating it. If you want to know what it's like, you've got to what? You've got to eat it. You've got to put it in your mouth and you've got to try it. But what if I don't like how it tastes? You're never going to know. What if you do like? How it tastes. You'll never know unless what. But you know how most of us go through life when it comes to the word of God and the truth of God? We live like we're not going to like it anyway. We go to it with a closed mind. Anyone got any fussy eaters in your home? Normally there's one in every household. We've got a fussy eater in the house. I told Molly I was going to preach about her today. And also, I'm going to say this. She got her progress report and did really good. So I'm going to give her some perks out there. She said, if you're, to, if you're going to slam me, at least give me some credit in the house. So there you go. Great job with that. But we've got a fussy eater in the house. And here's what happens is, Molly's got her mind made up of the things she likes and the things that she doesn't like. So anytime something new comes along... She has already told herself she's not going to like it. We give it to her and say, hey, Molly, try this. You're going to love it. Like as parents, we're going to torture our kids and give them something that is really miserable. That's what we said. And we say, just try it. You never have to try it again if you don't like it. But what happens? Here's how she tastes it if she does taste it. If you're listening, we're screwing up our face. Why is that? Because she goes into it in what way? Before she's even tried it, she's told herself, I'm not going to like it. So what happens most of the time, they don't even let it hit their taste buds. It just hits their tongue. And, it doesn't even register because they've already told themselves. Isn't that amazing? I think that's like so many of us. We pre-decide before we even try it. We don't even give God's word a chance for our marriage because we've already predecided it won't work. We don't give God's word a chance for our finances because, man, how can 90% go further? Man, I'm screwing up my face to that. How does that work? We already tell ourselves we don't like it. How much better would life be if you just opened up your life, obeyed God's word, and you just tried it? Because I'm telling you right now, mm, it's good. It's good. It's good good. In fact, the Word of God speaks it tastes like honey in your soul. It's good for you. You may say, I don't like honey. Well, it tastes like strawberries. If you don't like strawberries, then it tastes like what you do like. It's good, in other words. It's sweet. It's refreshing. And I know I've taken a lot of time on this first one, but there's a reason we've talked so much about the foundation, and that is this. We might as well stop the message if you're not going to accept this. Because we can't go on to the other points if you're not going to accept the fact that the Word of God needs to be the foundation of your life. You see, look at this. With a foundation, listen to me. We're not just creating moments. Without a foundation, all we do is just create moments. But with a foundation, we're creating memories for a lifetime. Have you ever had moments in your life and said, that's kind of cool, but then a day later you couldn't remember them? But what about the memories that you've had that from years ago you can remember? What are we doing? As we build a foundation, we're not just building a life for a moment. We're building memories that we can reflect back on and we can remember through the next storm that God was with us through the previous storms. That when we get a bad doctor's report, we can remember, well, God steal the healer because of what he's done. We can build our lives on the memories because of the foundation they are for our lives. Is that okay? Number two, you ready? you got to make it the first. Say with me first. That's the blank right there. The first of my daily life. It's got to be the priority of my life. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. David says it this way, early will I seek you. He says, early I'm going to come to you. And he's not just talking about in the early hours of the morning. What he's also talking about is instead of going to everyone else on Facebook, social media, and posting everything to everyone else, God's going to be the first one I turn to is what David is saying. Not just in the morning, but in every circumstance throughout the day, God's going to be my first point of where I go to. You've got to make the word of God the first of your day. Read Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 is a chapter all about worry and the needs of man. That we have worries and needs in our lives. But what do we also see? The truth of it almost at the end is this. If we go for God first, He'll take care of all of our needs. Everything that you could ever want for in life, God will take care on them. If our focus is what? If our focus is on God, here's the promise. He will focus on you. First is a really important principle to God. Throughout His Word, you see it time and time again. One of the thoughts of first is this. He wants to be the first of your life in relationships. The Bible says we serve a jealous God. He doesn't want to share you with anyone else. When it comes to dating and relationships, you're not trying to find your number one. You're not living with your number one. If you're married, that's not your number one. That's your number two. Because your number one needs to be God. He has to be the first of your life. And if he's first, everything else of your life will fall in order. Another first in the Bible is tithing. God speaks about the principle of putting me first. And guess what happens? If you put me first with your giving, God says, I'll redeem, I'll take care, I'll handle every need that you would ever have in your life. The principle of first is great in the Word of God. So what's your first every day? I wonder what's the first media you turn to every day. Most of us, the first thing we do when we wake up is grab our cell phone and check Instagram or Facebook. I know it's old, but it's still good. How much better would our first... Touch be to get our face in the book, in the word of God. Let that be the first media that speaks into your life, the first words that start your day, because your world, your world will be different by the foundation, the first that you lay for that day. Can I give you practically just a great thing? It's called the first 15, the first 15. I think this may help a lot of you. Just to do this and do this as a a practice for at least three weeks and then it becomes a habit. 21 days creates a habit, they say. Do this in your life. Come on, give the first five minutes of your day to the Word of God. I know our Bible reading plan takes about 10, 15 minutes. If you don't have time to do that, just read the New Testament part, the Psalms or Proverbs. But I'm telling you, give the first five minutes of your life every day to the Word of God of God. Psalms 119, 105. What a great promise. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. If we ever need direction in our lives each and every day, it's right now. As a nation, as parents, we need direction. What gives us that? The word of God needs to be our first. That needs to be the first. Here's the second five. Are you ready? Give five minutes in worship. worship. You don't even have to sing. For some of you, please don't sing. Amen. Just put on a worship song, a praise song. Listen to it. There's something about worship that changes the atmosphere of where you're at. You feel like you're about to rip someone's head off and you can just get in the presence of God. And there's a calming agent. There's a soothing that comes through worshiping God. Many of you love it here. You look forward to it here. But I'm telling you, this should just be another day of worship for you. Because every day, this is just corporate where we can come corporately together. But every day you need to have a song of worship in your life. Come on, go on YouTube. Just get a song every day while you're getting ready and you're doing your hair in the mirror. You're cleaning your teeth. Just get a worship song. Start your day off with that. You can go to Spotify. That's free. Pandora. iTunes. So many avenues that you can get to get the word through worship into your spirit. Psalms 34 verse 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. If it doesn't start in your mouth, it's not going to continue in your mouth. Start it in the morning. Start it to be the first words that come out of your mouth. A prayer and a praise to God. Because I'm telling you, you form the world you live in by the words that you speak. Start by speaking His word and His truth. Here's the last one. you ready? Five minutes in prayer. Five minutes in prayer. And pray your own way. Talk to God. Hang out with God. One of the great insights, I think, of prayer can be this. Philippians, look at the scripture from Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. It says, be anxious for nothing. Anyone ever anxious? Maybe you're there right now, just anxious. Something's going on this week. It's not good. But the Bible says we don't have to be anxious for anything, for nothing. Nothing needs to consume our lives. Why? Because here's the key. In everything, by prayer and supplication, we can wake up concerned in the morning. We've got to change those thoughts by prayer. It's what the Bible says, but we can begin to pray and we can make a supplication. What is that? A petition to God. And how do we pray? With thanks given to God. We come to God with thanks and then we let our requests be made known to God. And guess what happens? As thanks and requests go up, what does the Bible say? And the peace of God that goes beyond what we can think or imagine, the thoughts, the problems. It's going to flood our hearts and our minds. It's going to guard us. Why? through Christ Jesus. He's going to be the God of our minds and our hearts for that day. How? As we begin to pray and give thanks to God. Just start your prayer off with being thankful to God. You've got so much to be thankful for. God, I thank you. I'm breathing today. That's something to be thankful for. God, I thank you. I've got a bed to get out of. A lot of people don't have that. I thank God I've got clothes to put on. Maybe not the best, but they're clothes. I thank God I've got a car. I thank God I've got a family. I thank God I've got this. I've got... You been thankful for what you've had and watch how things begin to change. And then after you've thanked God, just pour out your heart to him and say, God, here's where I'm at. Would you help me? Would you strengthen me? You see, look at this. We don't need to engage in our day without first encountering and connecting to God. You don't need to engage, don't need to make any decisions, do anything without first. For some of you, you know what it's like. You wake up in the morning, the kids come out, and you're like, huh, hold on a second, let me get some coffee. I'm not going to talk till we get some coffee." Listen, forget the coffee. It needs to be the word. It needs to be worship. It needs to be prayer. I, I'm not talking right now because I'm maybe going to say some wrong things to you. But let me get in the word. Let me get in prayer, and I'm going to be a whole lot better. Come on, the first 15. Got to move along really quickly. Is this okay? Number three, make it alive. Within You you can get the illustration right now, car, if you want. You've got to let it grow deeper inside of you. You've got to let the Word of God grow deeper inside of you. You've got to allow it to grow in you, to build you. Colossians 3.16 says this, Let the Word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Let the Word of God dwell in you richly with all wisdom. I want to give you an illustration today. What we've got here coming up is is... If I did a cup, it would be too small, so you wouldn't see it. So what I've got today is, is actually a bowl of hot water. And what I want to show you today is this. I've got some tea bags here. It's a big cup of tea, I know. But what I want to show you this is this. If you could imagine right now that this hot water here is your life. It's your soul. It's, it's, it's your person. And this tea bag here is the Word of God. We want the Word of God to be alive in you. Remember, we want you to love it, to read it so you can live it. So we want to be alive in you because what happens is the Word of God begins to be alive inside of you. What begins to happen to your life? Can you notice right there? Gradually, there's a slight change that's taken place in your life. Why? Because you... Begin to change to that. But you know what we want you to do? We want you to see that you get more dips into the Word in your life every day. For many people, that, that, that's, the, that's the week right there, because we come to church and we just have a little dip. Church is good. But church is not going to sustain you for the week. We, we need it to be alive, so we need you to get some more dips into your life on a daily basis. So how you're dipping into that in a daily basis will determine what your life is going to look like. Because the more you dip, you'll start to take on the nature of what you're subjected to. You're going to start to smell like it. You're going to start to look like it. You're going to start to taste like it. So our goal again is to make you dip. How can we make you dip a little bit more? Here's a good one. You're blank. Are you ready? Find a translation that you like. Find a translation from the Word of God that you like. Come on, that's a dip. For many people, they say, well, I don't really like that translation. I don't understand that. Find one you do. Really, there's not a wrong one. There's better ones than the other, but there's not a wrong one as long as you're reading one. Come on, listen to me. There's not a wrong one unless you're not reading one. And they're all called translations for this reason, because they were all originally written in the Hebrew or the Greek language. The Hebrew of the Old Testament and the Greek for the New Testament. So they're all a translation. The original one that we have was 1611. King James instructed for that. That's not God's only Bible. I love that. I was brought up with that, but that's not God's only Bible. People are going to preach that and say, if it's not the King James, it's not God. That's foolishness. That, that's, that's a narrow-mindedness. Because there are so many other great ones too. And, and the King James reads accordingly that it was written in the 1600s. It reads that way. So I want to give you three different types of translation. Not on your notes, but take them down so you can understand. And it will help you to decide the translations you use. The first type of translation is called this, a formal or exact version or a literal translation, okay? It's a formal or exact. What happens is they went to the original text, whether it was the Hebrew or the Greek. They didn't go to the King James Version, the English. They went back to the original. And what they did was it was a literal, formal translation. They took the thoughts word from word, so it's a word-from-word word translation. Again, the King James is that. Now a newer version of the King James. That's my go-to. I use most of the time. The new King James version. It takes the thou's and the thine's out. It's my favorite and the one I use the most. Also the American Standard version is another literal one. The ESV is a new one, the English Standard Version. That's the versions we give out most of the times here at the church. That is a literal translation taken from the original source. The second one is what is known as a a, a function or a dynamic version. A function or a dynamic version. Again, taken from the original text, but instead of taking it word from word, they've taken it thought from thought. So literally taking a sentence and then the thought of that, they've written it, it out. That's our daily reading plan that we have. The New Living Translation is one of those versions. comes from the original, but thought by thought, not word by word. The English version is another one. And, and then the NIV is another one, perhaps the most popular in this, the New International Version. Then the third one is what's known as Paraphrased Versions. These are not taken from the original text. They're taken from the English text. And then what they do is they just look at it and say, how can we make it easier? How can we make it sound better for the people who are reading it? We get the living Bible from that. We get the message Bible from that. Those kind from that. So we can understand that. Read one because any is better than none. Because what do we want you to do? We want you to get the word of God in your life every day because the more dips you take, the more you're going to take on the nature of what's been put into your life. Here's the next one. Are you ready? Get a study Bible. Get a study Bible. Get a study Bible, a paper Bible. Get get a good Bible. This is a great investment for every one of you. I'm going to give you three that I use. These are in my office. You can see them. This is what I preach from. Every time I do a message, I've got Bibles out everywhere. And these are the three study Bibles that I use. My favorite is the New Spirit-Filled Life Bible. Absolutely love that Bible. It's a great Bible. Josh is sporting his on the front row. And it's a great, great Bible. The New Spirit Life Bible. Probably an $80 to $100 investment right there. But some of the greatest money that you'll spend. Another great one that I use a lot is the Life Application Bible. It's a very good. Again, in any translation you can get these. So the the new Spirit-filled life is New King James, but, but the life application I believe you can get in others. My life application Bible is in the New Living Translation is what I use. And there's another one that's the Holman Study Bible. But go to Lifeway got great people in way Go and see Maddie. Go and see Mel. Go and see them and get them hooked up right there. But guess so many Bibles today. There's study Bibles for women, for men, for people who are leaders, for sports people. So many great tools that you can have. But come on, a study Bible will give you another dip. And you need another dip in the Word of God. Here's another one right here. Get in church. Man, how important is church? Come on, you've got to dip your life in church. Don't just attend church casually. Because you're going to get casual results. Make a commitment to it so you're going to see sustained results that are really going to impact and change your life. I could talk on hours on church, but notice what's happening. Every time we're talking about something and we're adding another dip to give something to alive in our life, we're beginning to look more and more like that which we are being subjected to. What you put in is what's going to come out. And lastly today, I know I've gone over today and I apologize here it is. Make it a weapon for the challenges of life. The last blank is weapon, 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 weapon. It's not a case if the storms are coming, but when the storms are coming. And we need a weapon. We need a weapon because we're in a war. We need, we're in a fight. We're facing challenges and we need it. Ephesians 6 verse 13 says, Therefore take up the whole armor of God. Put it on that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Then it gives the list of the armor, but only one weapon, verse 17. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is? That's your weapon. It's the Word. It's your weapon. It's that that you can come against. I like the Message Bible. Remember the paraphrased version? The Message Bible says this, God's Word is an indispensable weapon. In other words, you can't go through life without it. You you can't go through it without it being a part of your life. When Jesus faced temptation, what was his weapon, weapon of attack? It was the Word. Look what it says in Matthew 4, verse 3 and 4 from the NIV version. The tempter came to Jesus and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus said, what was his answer? It is written. It is written. What did he quote? The Word of God as a weapon each and every time. You've got to know God's Word. Here's the next blank. You've got to memorize Scripture you got to get the Word of God inside of your heart. Not so you're just repeating it like a a religious act, but you got to get it as a weapon that it is. Come on right now. Here's some of my go-to verses. You ready? When I'm fearful. Anyone ever get some fear in your life? I remind myself of 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. God's not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Come on, when I feel that if God... Really loves me, why would he choose me? Why has he chosen me? When I kind of feel like that, I remind myself of First Peter two verse nine that says, I'm a chosen generation, I'm a royal priesthood, I'm a holy nation, I'm chosen by God. When there's opposition in my life, and I know we all face that, I remind myself of Isaiah fifty-four, verse seventeen, that no weapon that's formed against me that's gonna prosper, and any tongue that rises up against us, God's gonna bring it to naught and silence it. When I feel feel insecure and I'm kind of doubting my abilities. I remind myself of Ephesians 3.20. That's one of my go-to verses. And that is this. And my God is able to do immeasurably more in my life than I could even imagine or even dream of because He wants to be a power inside of me. Come on, you got to know His Word. you got to memorize His Word so you can use it. Here's the next blank. Get a verse. Verse is the next blank for your season. What season are you going through right now? Here's my verse for my season. You ready? Romans 10, 11. Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. I've needed that may not mean anything to you because that's not your verse, that's my verse. And it means something. Every time I read that or think that, something comes alive inside of me because I need this for the season of my life right now. Find a verse because God's Word knows exactly what you're facing and it knows the answer to every test and trial. Use it as a weapon against the face of the enemy. Last year as I close, Psalms 119, 9 through 11. Listen to this. How can a young man, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? How can I make it through life? How can I be the success I need to be in my home to my kids, to my spouse, to those around me? How can I be the success? Here's the answer. By living according to God's word. Because what do I see? If I will seek with all my heart... Do not let me stray from your commands. And what does David say? For your words I have hidden, I've placed in my heart that I might not sin against you. How important is the word? I said, how important is the word? Come on, how important is the word? To give insight, to give direction. What have you got to do to it? You've got to hold fast. Say with me, hold fast. It's got to be the foundation. It's got to be the foundation of your life. It's got to be the first priority of your day. Come on, make it alive in your life. Make it the weapon that's going to produce the victory. But here's the key to it all where we started. You've got to make it. I said, you've got to make it. As a parent, I can't make it for my kids. As a pastor, I can't make it for you. I can want it for you. And I can push it for you and I can preach it to you. But you've got to make it yours. You've got to read it. You've got to apply it for your life, for your future. Would you bow your heads all over this place?
1: We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard. But we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heartsease Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.